What's up, y'all? Welcome in. I know. I look totally nuts. It's me, your boy, the ex-NFLer turned yogi, Eben Britton. It's excellent to be with you guys. This is a little bit of a stealth mission, recording this intro here for today's episode of the Eben Flow podcast. It is Into the Metaverse Part 2. Let me explain why I look like Neo from The Matrix. Had a lot of fun on this this one with my bro, Gus. Um, we just dove deeper into this super interesting emerging realm called the metaverse. Um, and as always, we, we explore the psychological emotional, mental implications of such a world. We did a little bit of homework. We watched Ready Player One and did a little breakdown of that. Maybe a spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. I really suggest you see the movie. It's a great film. Really interesting, fascinating, bizarre, terrifying, prophetic, interesting. Um, And that was sort of the the foundation of where this this talk begins and we go all over the place as you can imagine so i think you guys will enjoy it um before i let y'all go today's episode is brought to you by bioptimizers my good friends over at bioptimizers some of my favorite supplements on the planet and they have something really special for you guys. You know, here we are. We're in the third week of the first month of this new year. The new year, new me sensation is probably beginning to lose its luster if you're that kind of a person. If you are truly dedicated to attaining the optimal health and well-being that you've ever experienced in this year. Look no further, man. You got to get the gut, your digestion, the gut biome. You got to get it in order, okay? And we all know what happens over the, the holidays. We eat tons of really rich food, lots of treats, cookies, whatever it might be. There's an over, It's an overindulgence period. And so that takes a toll on your immune system. You might be feeling a little worn down. I know a lot of people I know have gotten the C word. Yes, people have gotten sick. And it's really frustrated them in the beginning of their their new year. You know, no one wants to kick off the new year being sick. You know, we come out of the holidays, we're ready to roll. So check this out. Did you know that one of the biggest ways you can boost your immunity is by supporting your gut health. It's true. In fact, 70% of your immune system is in your gut. Jonathan Jacobs, an MD and professor at UCLA, says the microbiome and the immune system are critically intertwined. This means that if you eat the wrong things, your immune system will suffer. Duh. Sugar wrecks our immune system. Processed carbohydrates and processed ultra-processed sweeteners and oils and seed oils and all these weird things that they seem to love to put in our food, 
they just completely disrupt not only our immune system, our hormones, all kinds of stuff. But if you eat the right things, your immune system gets stronger. Makes sense. Now, I understand it's not easy to eat all the right things all the time, of course. But look, I mean, we're working for discipline. We're working for progress, not perfection. So that's why I recommend you take Biome Breakthrough daily. Biome Breakthrough contains powerful probiotics and prebiotics, as well as a -a one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is a patented egg-based protein that enhances gut health, reverses damage caused by antibiotics, and even helps with immunity threats. I am on the be- in the beginning stages of, of my experience with this product, but I think it goes without saying that IGY Max is one of the most powerful immune system nutrients ever discovered, and it's in every serving of Biome Breakthrough. By taking Biome Breakthrough daily, you eliminate bad bacteria, You feed good bacteria, you build up your immunity, and you repair your gut lining. This is huge. So the best time to take Biome Breakthrough, it's first thing in the morning. Mix it in 8 ounces of water and drink it on an empty stomach to experience less sickness, fewer gut problems, and less gas and bloating. So what are you waiting for, dude? Power up your immunity today by trying Biome Breakthrough risk-free. Head over to biomebreakthrough.com forward slash ebbinflow and use ebbinflow10 to receive 10% off your next order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. That's a pretty dang good deal, y'all. biomebreakthrough.com forward slash ebbinflow to get, use code ebbinflow10 to get 10% off your next order. All right, y'all. Lots of love to you guys. Enjoy this episode, and I will see y'all on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination, your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. It's good to tap in. It's good to it's good to tap in and start it off with a prayer. Yeah, is this the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing with new new and refreshing ways to kick it off. New intros. We're dropping into the metaverse for part two here, Brohim. Yeah, I got. I felt like I don't know what happened. That there's so much to talk about. Well, I've gotten good feedback. I think you have as well. People really liked it. They like how we are exploring this new landscape and working it out through the pods. Because I think a lot of people are in that stage. Yeah. 
I think there's a lot of people like I was just talking to Jay Stu about it and he was he was saying how he's really been spending a significant amount of time learning as much as he can about the crypto world and cryptocurrency and this metaverse thing and what it all looks like and NFTs and this whole digital landscape of the future yeah. or or an aspect of the future at least and then um so I think that it's it's good, man. It's good to to set the table of what all this stuff is, and it's interesting to look at. So, well, we had a little bit of a homework assignment. Yeah, we did. We we watched Ready Player One. Wow, great movie! If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Really interesting and uh, beautifully done. Of course, Spielberg. Dude, just... Shout out to Spielberg. He is <laughs> he is a master of that storytelling what where it's it? like you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, you're going to pump your fist at the end. And he just get he just gets you at the end where it's like you you kind of know what's coming, but it's just like so well done. Yeah. On his on on his trip, always, always, man. Every I would do everybody do yourself a favor and watch that movie. Yeah, it's definitely a, check it out. It's also really fun. It's just a really fun movie. It is a really fun movie, and I was watching it, and part of me was going, "This is the most fun the metaverse would ever be." Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. your your direct experience of it would not be that fun. Because I was thinking about it. Well, think that, about, but think yeah. about this, Gus, because I was thinking about this. You know, like, so in Ready, Ready Player One, it takes place in 2045 in the future <clears throat> in Columbus, Ohio, of all places. Columbus, Ohio is the fastest growing city <clears throat> in the world, and everybody lives in these fucking storage containers called the stacks, and that's where the the middle class, it seems like it seems like the middle class, the lower middle class yeah. has been isolated in this community called the stacks, which are these piles of storage containers stacked on one another. Right. Where everybody lives. <clears throat> right. That and, that isn't that is a interesting thing to point out because you don't really see like is there another side? Yeah, is there a rich side or is there like a really poor side or is this everybody? Does the countryside still exist? Yeah. And he talks about it in the beginning. It's You almost miss it, but there was some occurrence. Mm. There was some giant blackout or something. Mm. Mm -hmm. Which sort which of Which is all funneled. possible. Too. I know, of course. <laughs> They're already talking about that. They're talking about all of these things. <clears throat> um... Yeah, the World Economic Forum testing out cyber attacks and all kinds of insane shit. Um, so something happens. There's some other global event, of course, which seems to make sense. And it funnels everybody or at least a significant population into this realm. Right. And <clears throat> it essentially... Everybody taps into this thing called the Oasis, which was mm. started by this video game guru. Right. 
And when what, he what? died, he basically left this message that he was going to start this competition to find these three secret keys <laughs> in this digital realm, which is like a universe, basically. Which is the metaverse. Yeah, it's the metaverse. Which is what's happening. <laughs> and he says, whoever can find these three keys, you'll get this this egg. Mm-hmm. And it, when you get the egg, I <clears throat> sign over my controlling shares of this world, yeah. of my, essentially my estate over to you. And you own the metaverse, and you or you own, own the oasis. You become the owner of yeah. it. <laughs> also played by that character is Mark Rylance, yeah, who's just brilliant. unreal. Yeah. So good. Yeah, he's genius in that. He's yeah, like well, somewhere between Garth and... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Albert so, Einstein. <laughs> sounds good. He's so good in it. <laughs> Only know. Mark Rylance, if you guys don't know, he's a, he's actually like a... He's I saw him do Richard the Third on Broadway. Oh, did you really? A long <sighs> oh, time ago? God. Maybe 10 years, maybe six, seven, ten. That years was ago. probably before he blew up. No, no, he was a he. I mean, he's been a mega UK theater. Yeah, I mean, guy. he's a Shakespearean actor, like you wouldn't believe. You know, he trains with our dude. Um, who's the Angels of Atlantis guy that we had dinner with? That was Marth's friend. Oh, Stuart Pierce. <laughs> Stuart Pierce. Yeah, Stuart Pierce, legend. Stuart Pierce. He's a voice. He's a. Yeah legendary voice <clears throat> alchemist he said eb was an egyptian prince and a priest 300 beast egyptian BC. priest your mic just tapped plug it's on that end there hello hello yeah, okay back. i'm back in sorry about that um i don't know if that's if there's some faulty connection there that's okay um so yeah this movie, the premise is this guy dies, we're in the future, he starts this mega worldwide competition to obtain these three keys in which he's going to sign <coughs> over his estate to the winner. And this kid, of course, in true Spielberg fashion, he's like your typical, what is that character? It's like the the humble, the humble explorer like the yeah. humble seeker spielberg's really good with kids yeah he does like the child the childhood narrative the childhood hero out of control brilliant time. yeah yeah so et ty sheridan plays this kid who's great and uh everyone has an avatar right everyone has an avatar and so going back <clears throat> to my my earlier thought about how this movie is the best experience of that realm that we will ever hope to receive is because dude, unless you're in a big machine when you're driving the cars, how are you going to feel that? Like, how are you going to feel all of the sensations and, or the anti-gravity scene when they're in that club and they jump off that ledge and they, Start dancing in the anti the gravity list room, <clears throat> like you wouldn't you wouldn't feel that. Well, in, you think you would? Well, see in the movie, and really, you know, <clears throat> this movie, you know, it's a perfect 
analogy, metaphor, comparison of now, because it's really, I mean, this movie is, is totally prophetic or apropos because it's really what's happening now. It's not like, oh, is this going to happen? Like, this movie is happening other than the material landscapes. Like, we don't have something that necessarily looks just like the stacks unless maybe you're in, like, urban Detroit or something, which, you know. Maybe. But, but you know, see, like, for instance, like, he gets that suit. So, like, the, the kind of technology of how you experience the metaverse in, in, in uh, Ready Player One, the Oasis changes like and 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 it changes your experience in it like how he buys that suit yeah you know how there's those advertisements yeah so that you you feel feel it more you feel it differently yeah but i see what you're saying but also like something that came that kept coming up for me eb was uh dreams you know when we're dreaming and dreaming is a really trippy thing i mean it's Mm -hmm. really fascinating when we're dreaming we're kind of half feeling half not feeling Mm. you know it's like if you have a dream where you're being like bitten by a shark or something which i've had um or whatever like a dream where you're say making love or i you know i don't know you are it's a weird disconnect and i would imagine that's kind of what the metaverse would be similar to right it's um See then see then that got a little weird for me when in the movie the guy would be like punched or he like gets kicked in the nuts and he's like hurt kind of he's yeah. kind of hurt Yeah. I would say it's cuz that one scene he gets hit in the balls, right? The one guy. Yeah, but like back to like dreams dreams like say you're getting bitten by a shark like you kind of feel it but you don't or it's like you right. think you're feeling it but right. you don't which kind of brings me to your note of like you can't and and Rylan's one of his lines is you can't get a decent meal in the metaverse. It's like there's always yeah. there's but there's always going to be a disconnect from what you can get in the physical reality. It's like Ty's character who is saying to her. And Ty really shows his humanity, the main character, Wade Watts, in the movie. He really shows his humanity by meeting the girl in the metaverse and saying, hey, I want to meet you in real life. Yeah, and she's and like, she's like no. no, you can't do that. Yeah. And I love, too, the friend, H, who's like the big robot, is trying to talk him out of wanting to... Or, or trying to talk him off the emotional attachment wedge by saying, hey, bro, that could be a dude. Yeah. <laughs> that could yeah. be a dude yeah. that's just using this beautiful woman avatar. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend about this episode and our conversation, and they were saying that, they, I hadn't even really thought about this, but they were talking about how people are going to be having families and relationships and making babies in this thing and like owning a house and having an entirely different life 
in this thing. And he talks about that in real in Ready Player One. Right. When in the beginning where there's like the intro into what it is. Yeah. And there's like the whole world that's the casino. And he they even pass by like the pleasure dome, oh, right, which right, is like yeah, yeah. a strip club porn yeah. house. Yeah. You know? And he's like, Well, you go in there and do whatever you do in there. Yeah. You know? And that's sort of this to me, that's like the that's like the weird thing that always rears its head in these types of stories. Like you see that in Minority Report, right? Like way back in in Minority Report in the movie, and this is all PK Dick too, the guy who wrote Ready Player One because that was a book. His name's Ernest Klein or something. Yeah, I mean this is all PK Dick saw all of this. 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? He was writing yeah. about all this stuff. But in Minority Report, there were places where people would go and you put on the VR goggles yeah. and you sit in the chair and you get a blowjob or whatever from right. a virtual uh, mistress. And then um, there was another movie on Netflix with Jonah Hill and um, who's that guy? can't remember the actor's name but it's basically in the future and this institute is doing all these experiments on virtual or augmented reality and they go to find they go to get this sort of mad scientist guy who's this actor who used who was dating jennifer aniston for a minute mm. he's actually really i have no thoreau idea. justin thoreau oh uh-huh and he plays sort of like this insane off the grid scientist. Uh-huh. And when they come into his apartment, he's got like goggles on and a whole thing on his dick. It's like a whole apparatus, and uh-huh. and it cuts to his his percep his perspective in yeah. the VR, and he's in this hot tub with this like alien chick. Oh, I think I remember that. And it's so ridiculous, dude. Yeah. Because you know, it's like, my God. We are really doing our damnedest to escape reality for something that is an utter replica. You know what I mean? And not a good one, I don't think. Yeah, but it's not necessarily a replica because, and this is where, you know, somebody like Jaron Lanier is interesting. Hello? Is my thing on? Mm-hmm. You know, he's interesting. He invented quote unquote i don't exactly know what that means but he essentially invented virtual reality and he's always coming back to the economic implications so if if our economy continues to be more and more of a disaster and nobody has any money aka opportunity to explore to eat what they want to eat to exercise etc etc i mean the list goes on and on you know does this become more exciting for you? Of course it does. Mm. Oh my God, I can go swim with dolphins. Right. I'm living in, uh, I'm living in a blacktop jungle. I don't even know where dolphins are anymore. If they, and then you think about e- extinction. I mean, the 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 things we can talk about are so infinite with this, and the and the implications of it. You know, it's like. Oh, I want to see what the the white rhino. I, I'm kind of uh, uh, giving a good. Uh, I'm kind of voting for 
the Oasis, right? And it sounds like I'm kind of rooting for it. But you know what I'm saying, Eb? It's not exactly well, yeah, a replica. Of course, of course. You know? But it is, actually. Okay, but I can't fucking, you know, skydive off at... of Everest. And you think, oh, well, but I are can you gonna go to feel the metaverse. That? Are you going to feel yourself no, jumping off? A mountain. I don't know what it's going to feel like, really. I don't think it's possible to get that true experience. Like, if we're talking about simulation theory. Like, I started looking up, what is simulation theory? Mm-hmm. And simulation theory is... There's multiple aspects to it, you know, because there's a, a uh, physics simulation theory. And there's okay. a psychology simulation theory. And both are sort of like the psychological and philosophical simulation theory is really a microcosm, in my understanding, in a very meta way of the cosmological or physics simulation theory, which is basically that. And it's interesting, I was reading this. So simulation theory is an intriguing and popular theory in psychology and philosophy and how in common sense does one understand others, especially in cognitive psychological explanation and prediction of behavior. It was first put forward by Jean Piaget, mm-hmm. which I think is so funny that uh, mom's first black cat that we had that I have vague memories of, Piaget. Uh huh. His name was Piaget. It's an interesting. It's a connection. total meta thing. It's like totally the Matrix. Have it's you, not. It's not what you know that movie Dark City. Yeah, it's a good movie. And at the it's end, scary. he realizes he's got these superpowers, and Kiefer Sutherland has been implanting these memories, these yeah. like hidden messages in his yeah. psyche. Yeah. That's that's how I yeah. feel like my life. What is. about that movie, The Abyss, or Sphere? Oh yeah, Sphere is insane. Those came to me last night for some reason. That movie Sphere. Those are really interesting in in this conversation as well. Uh So Piaget, I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah. He proposed that children were able to learn from from modeling their parents' behavior. Uh So this is so as children we simulate the behaviors of the adults in our environment. Right. That's one interesting idea. I think there is also an intuitive and uh, aspect and, uh, you know, sort of a uh, essential aspect of behavior as well, in my own understanding and belief. So Piaget's theory made great progress throughout the latter half of the 19th century, but has undergone some serious challenges more recently. One of the most important refinements came from a noted British philosopher, who was interested in analyzing how animals make decisions and behave when exposed to certain stimuli. This person is Oliver Chase, and his own observations were titled Neuropsychological Simulation. So, he spent years studying how animals in natural situations decide what to do and how they perceive and interpret the physical world around them. This work by Chase and others focused on how different animals, both unaltered or altered, such as cat and rat, were able to respond in similar ways to certain stimuli, such as light, pain, or hunger. They did this by modeling the simulation theory on their neurons and brain cells. Their work turned out to be a strong foundation for how neurologists understand how the brain operates in real life. 
The simulation theory can be taken further to include simulation as a mental state, even without a sensory perception. This is something that interestingly ties into this book, Intuition, uh-huh. by Osho, that I've been reading. Yeah. It's always interesting how we get onto certain topics and then like the universe starts swirling all yeah. the all the information together. Yeah. So note this, because I'm going to talk about, remind me about this. Uh, simulation theory can be taken further to include simulation as a mental state, even without a sensory perception. That's important in this conversation especially as it relates to my argument of can you feel something? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because yeah, is it all generated in the mind? That's yeah. kind of the question here. This has been further developed by neuroscientists looking at how animals sense their environment. Chase had also applied his work in this area to studying how the brain copes with changes in its environment, specifically changes in the presence and absence of predators. In fact, he claimed at one point that all thought in the brain is done from the sensory experience. When confronted with this issue, philosophers such as Searle pointed out that one could easily apply the simulation theory to the, to the human mind as well by using model-free language. That is, no mental states other than those of pure belief are allowed. A person can easily fool himself into believing whatever he wants to believe. After all, he has no way of knowing if what he is thinking is true or false. In this scenario, the simulation theory doesn't play such a major role in people's lives. Still, the existence of a virtual reality runs in the back of many an intelligent person's mind, especially if one is a neuroscientist studying the functions of the human brain. The simulation hypothesis became even more important to the physicists after World War II. After the Manhattan Project created the world's first atomic bomb, experimentalists discovered that it was possible to use very high temperatures and tremendous power in order to trigger a chain reaction in a matter of seconds. During the test, a scientist named Richard Betts was asked to predict what the bomb would do should it fall into the wrong position. He guessed right, and the world got a taste of the possibilities of what could be done with the power of computers. Nowadays, computer simulation is used to test the results of scientific experiments. Not all scientists agree with simulation theory. Most cosmologists think that there is actually nothing to be simulated because the universe is too chaotic to create an image of what we see on Earth. These scientists argue that it is possible that our planet is just a simulator created by an unknown quantity of particles and energy which has no connection to any reality on Earth whatsoever. That's kind of a trip. Some cosmologists have also pointed out the inconsistencies of GPS navigation which are explained by the simulation principle. What happens if you only... What happens if you took a monkey or a person and they were strapped into the metaverse from day one? Well, they isn't. Say then let's say uh, you leave them in there until they're fifteen or twenty, and then you pull them, take them off. Probably be really bad. Probably be a really bad scene.
well, depending on what you showed them, depending on what they were looking at with the VR goggles on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the variables are endless. Well, there's something really interesting in this book. I'm, I'm on the verge of finishing this book called Intuition by Osho. Knowing Beyond Logic. It's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. Um, I have a lot of different notes here that I want to get into. Oh, this is really important right here. Okay. This is really... This really talks about... Remember... I'm going to do a podcast on reality as an illusion. Yeah. (laughs) But this right here really explains this. And I'll go on to... It it blends nicely into this next thing. Man's being is simple, but his personality is not. The personality is complex. The personality is like an onion. There are many layers of conditioning and corruption and hidden behind those many layers is man's simple being. It is behind so many filters that you cannot see it. And hidden behind these many filters, you cannot see the world either. Because whatsoever reaches you is corrupted by the filters before it reaches you. Nothing ever reaches you as it is. You go on missing it. There are many interpreters in between. You see something. First your eyes and your senses falsify it. Then your ideology, your religion, your society, your church, they falsify it. Then your emotions, they falsify it. And so on and so forth. By the time it reaches to you, it is almost nothing of the original. Or so little that it makes no difference. You see something only if your filters allow it and the filters don't allow much. Scientists agree. Scientists say we see only 2% of reality. Only 2%. 98% is missed. When you are listening to me, you will hear only 2% of what has been said. 98% will be lost. And when the 98% is lost, that 2% is out of context. It is as if you have taken two pages from a novel at random. One from here, one from there. And then you start reconstructing the whole novel from these two pages. 98 pages are missing. You have no inkling what they were. You don't even know what that they existed. You have only two pages and you can reconstruct the whole novel again. This reconstruction is your invention. It is not a discovery of truth. It is your imagination. And there is an inner necessity to fill the gaps. Whenever you see that two things are unrelated, the mind has an inner urgency to relate them. Otherwise, it feels uneasy. So you invent a link. You fix those loose things with a link. You bridge them and you go on inventing a world that is not there. George Gurdjieff used to call these filters buffers. They protect you against reality. They protect your lies. They protect your dreams. They protect your projections. Man lives through lies. Friedrich Nietzsche is reported to have said, please don't take the lies away from humanity. Otherwise, man will not be able to live. Man lives through lies. So, so your filters dictate your reality. I mean, see, my 
my challenge with this reality is an illusion thing is like, yes, okay, that. Oh, yeah. What? Something else? Yeah, this is the next part. He talks about. Man, the destruction of man's senses, physical senses, and how the mind has corrupted life experience to such an extent that we don't pay mind or we don't pay any energy to our senses anymore. The first... Never for a single moment think that your physical senses are as they should be. They are not. They have been trained. You see things if your society allows you to see them. You hear things if your society allows you to hear them. You touch things if your society allows you to touch them. Man has lost many of his senses. For example, smell. Man has almost lost the sense of smell. Just look at a dog and his capacity to smell. How sensitive is his nose? Man seems to be very poor. What has happened to man's nose? Why can't he smell as deeply as a dog or as a horse? The horse can smell for miles. The dog has an immense memory of smells. Man has no memory. Something is blocking the nose. Those who have been looking deeply into these layers say that it is because of the repression of sex that the sense of smell is lost. Physically, man is as sensitive as any other animal, but psychologically his nose has been corrupted. Smell is one of the most sexual doors into your body. Through smell, animals start feeling whether a male is in tune with the female or not. The smell is a subtle hint. When the female is ready to make love to the male, she releases a certain kind of smell. Only through the smell does the male understand that he is acceptable. If that smell is not released, the male moves away. He knows he is not accepted. Man has destroyed the sense of smell because it will be difficult to create a so-called cultured society if your sense of smell remains natural. You are moving on the road and a woman starts releasing her scent and gives you a signal of acceptance. She is somebody else's wife. Her husband is with her. The signal is there that you are acceptable. What will you do? It will be awkward, embarrassing. Your wife is walking with you and there is no scent from her body. And suddenly a man passes by and she gives the signal. And those are unconscious signals. You cannot suddenly control them. Then you will become aware that she is interested in the other man, that she is welcoming the other man. That will create trouble. So down the centuries, man has destroyed his sense of smell completely. It is not just accidental that in cultured countries much time is wasted in removing all kinds of smell from the body. The body odor has to be completely destroyed by deodorants, deodorant soaps. It has to be covered by layers of perfume, strong perfume. These are all disguises. These are ways to avoid a reality that is still there. Smell is very sexual. That's why we have destroyed the nose, utterly destroyed the nose. Even in language, you can see the difference. Then he goes on to say, The same has happened with other senses. You don't look at people eye to eye. Or if you do look at them, it is only for a few seconds. You don't look at people, really. You go on avoiding. If you look, it is thought to be offensive. Just be aware. 
Do you really see people or do you go on avoiding their eyes? We listen to the words, we don't see the face, because many times the words and the face are contradictory. A man is saying one thing and he is showing another. Gradually, we have completely lost the ability to see the face, the eyes, the gestures. We only listen to the words. Just watch this and you will be surprised how people go on saying one thing and showing another. And nobody detects it because you have been trained not to look directly into the face. Or, even if you look, the look is not that of awareness, not that of attention. It is empty. It is almost as if you are not looking. I just thought this was super fascinating in this destruction of the senses. Well, yeah, we've certainly done a number on our animal instincts and our, you know, our repression. If you read his book, Sex and Super... It's a lot about sex and repression of sexuality. His book, Sex and Super... Or From Sex to Super Consciousness is basically the whole book is how we repressed our senses (laughs) so here's this gus so Uh (laughs) on that note so is it preferable to create the digital realm where you can go and satisfy all of your now deranged and repressed sexual fantasies Well, well that's kind of my point about saying unless we dismantle all of technology and go back fucking and we and we start participating in terence mckenna's archaic revival and dismantle all of the technologies that we now know which may not happen because we're already on the train unless there's an explosion or whatever some cataclysm and the technology has no choice but to be dismantled we probably won't go back to that or we take our other theory or hypothesis that there's going to be a rift in uh, humanity where there will be people that go the road of pure technology, pure digital life, or pure reality, pure natural life. And I think the, you know, it's going to have to be a real rift where the pure natural people completely get rid of technology and the, and the digital people completely go for it with Neuralink, flying cars, the metaverse, etc. So, that's why, you know, if we continue repressing these things and taking them away, then we'll have no choice but to go something, go to something like the metaverse for satisfaction or solace of the senses, etc. You know, my thing with this reality is an illusion, and particularly from the standpoint of a yogi, this is why, to me, the yogi is stripping away all of the excess illusions mm. so that reality is no longer an illusion reality is just reality yeah and reality is an acquired taste so you know it's not that you know we all have our own illusion of reality totally. you know your absolutely. reality is your illusion absolutely based on your trauma based on where you live based on the media you're participating in your beliefs uh, yeah exactly so unless you know see this is but this is another interesting thing about not using drugs to me not using any mind altering substances which i find very interesting i also find using mind altering substances very interesting and i don't know if enough people are ground have 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 
participated in what life might be like when you're fully grounded and not in some altered state because reality can be trippy enough um Mm -hmm. i'm just concerned i'm just concerned about what are you concerned about i'm concerned and we've talked a little bit about this i'm concerned about saying to somebody that reality is an illusion Reality can be your What's, illusion and it's and it's like and it's like you just read reality your reality is dictated by the filters you have. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm that's what that means. But we need to maybe consider getting rid of the filters. Well, yeah. And coming of back to pure skin and bones. That's what this whole thing that's what the ebb and flow is all about. Yeah. <laughs> Polishing the crystal yeah, that's what yoga is all about. That's what. But I don't know if reality is an illusion. I think reality is like reality is reality is the opposite of an illusion. Yes. Well, see, it's this thing, Gus. It's um, it's, it's kind a of mind an oxymoron puzzle. to me. Well, it's a yeah, mind okay. puzzle. Yeah. It's like in Be Here Now when Ramdas is like when when you get into the super tripped out part where it's all the psychedelic drawings and the words like move and it's like you're on an acid trip and he says bite your own finger that's your guru right there biting your finger he's here with you and to the rational mind that's totally not it doesn't mean like that's almost completely nonsensical but when you think about it from a yogic standpoint and drop all the filters, what is he saying there? You bite your finger, that's the, your guru biting your finger. You are your guru. That's exactly what he's saying, plain and simple. But to a rational mind that's searching for their guru, you go, what do you mean? I'm biting my finger and my guru is biting my finger. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah, what are you getting at? So what I'm getting at is reality is an illusion sends the mind on this quest to seek out. What does that mean? Because to me, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm feeling this table. I'm talking to you. We can handshake. We can hug. We can converse. Mm-hmm. This fly is buzzing around the room. I see this painting. The sun is shining. I can feel myself. I can breathe. That reality is not an illusion. What, what you're talking about, though, and what you come to is what Osho is talking about in there. The reality that you are perceiving is an illusion based on the filters that you are receiving it through. Sure. Like, you don't see with your eyes, brother. You I see you. with your mind. And your spirit. And your spirit. And your you, heart, and, soul, etc. And, and your past. And that model, like, you look at the table. I was thinking about this the other day. You look at a table, you don't just see a table. You have a whole matrix of memories and emotions and trauma and experiences and victories and all sorts of shit is wrapped up in what you're looking at when you look at that table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if this reality is an illusion... (laughs) 
What's the reality in the metaverse going to be? The super illusion? Well, is that the super? Is that what you would call that? The well, super see, illusion? Now, now. Let's coin some words, man. Let's get on Piaget's level, you know? Well, that's a really interesting point in the context of reality is an illusion shifting and moving and evolving through time and space. Yeah. Because now we're really looking at a digital reality, which is a complete illusion. Right, right. <laughs> which is a complete fabrication. Yeah. And maybe this is as well, but it's on a much more gross plane, intricate level as far as this coagulation of matter and energy. Well, what's interesting about to that point, what's interesting and vibrations and shit. Yeah. What's interesting to me about stepping into this, you put the goggles on, you step into the other reality. It really makes you consider what this reality is right <laughs> which is it's almost like it brings you're you, looking through goggles looking which is through interesting, goggles yes which is interesting back to your point on the last episode about how the deeper you go into technology the deeper informed you are about your nature element uh-huh. because it's like you go there then you start wondering oh wait but what was back there too right what was i missing back there yeah i have a couple notes i just wanted to say isn't it funny that uh, you were talking about Piaget and then the cat named Piaget? Isn't it interesting that Spielberg directed Ready Player One and Zuckerberg is trying? It's the same name, you know, Berg. There, how 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 Weird. much did Zuckerberg study Ready Player One? I'm curious. It's almost like he's trying to do the exact thing. You know what I mean? Are they turning it into a game though? Dude, it's, it's I've whatever seen videos. You want. It's, it's it like seems exactly the same as the Oasis. You know, he's he. I need to watch that keynote thing about when they introduce the metaverse. But it's all that shit where you can create your avatar. Uh, these NFTs where you're buying houses is so fucking stupid <laughs> and fucking weird to me. I know. Like I get it. You know, I understand. I know. Guys, we're buying digital shit, but like. I just bought the house next to Snoop Dogg. What are you talking about? Can you stop? What the fuck are you doing? Snoop's going to have like some intern running his avatar. So weird. Um, Was there a crash? I have no idea what that was. The other thing that I thought was interesting, Eb, was... um, in the movie, how they have that IOI thing, which are like kind of like the quote oh, yeah. unquote bad guys in the movie. Yeah. That actor's great too. Men, yeah. What's Men, his name? Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so these people are forced to be in the metaverse, to be well, in the oasis because of these debts they've paid. Yeah. Which I thought was like, whoa, that could be really strange. Yeah. And they basically become slaves. Yeah. That's really fucked up. I saw this podcast, I can't remember where it was, but the guy was saying in the future, you won't go on social media kind of unless you're being paid. Hmm. Like it, it'll be something like where it'll it'll totally integrate with the economy, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. This is also like, you know, to the... Philip K. Dick, and this isn't really new. Like, this whole thing where Zuckerberg is trying to be like, I create, like, The Sims. 
that game, The Sims. Yeah, or that game, Fortnite. I think Fortnite, yeah. which I've never played, but it seems to me like a giant version. Yeah. Or maybe a less giant version of the metaverse. Yeah. Hey, I wonder. Or that game we used to play, Oblivion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skyrim, Skyrim, or whatever. Yeah. I wanted to say this. I in, I interviewed this guy this morning. Um, he he's one of the partners in this company called Ocean Builders. And uh, this is more about like the where we're going with technology. It's very strange and unknown. They build houses in the ocean now. There are these little pods that this company is doing, and they're right. They're now on the shoreline, and they're starting in Panama. And it hasn't fully been fully been established yet, but they have prototypes. They have a whole thing, and there are these pods that you can live out in the water. It's like water. It's almost like Water World. And then there's like flying cars that come. He says they're doing this this grand opening, and they're going to have a flying car that flies you out to the pod <laughs> and drops you off, and then it flies back. <laughs> It's like a hover car. He said flying cars are totally extant. They exist, but they just haven't really been introduced. But I thought that was interesting too. Like people are going to start. What living. happens if there's a tidal wave? Yeah, that was another thing. So they're. Did you they're, ask him? Yeah. So they're lifted seven and a half feet off the water. That's and not on, enough. Yeah, but on their site, there's the FAQs are interesting. It's like what what happens in a tsunami. And he's like, well, tsunamis really attack the shoreland. They don't really attack if you're in the water. It's all very we'll like, see. whoa, what's, you know. <laughs> we'll really so, weird. Dude. I don't know. I know. Weird. Super odd. Um, Interesting, though. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, to me, why are resources allocated to that before making something like hemp hemp concrete which is it's like super sustainable it's energy efficient it's not you know it's non it's flame retardant it's like bug resistant it's it's lighter it's more durable than regular concrete yeah. But why isn't that made mainstream as far as building homes? Like why isn't why aren't more resources allocated and focus put into uh what would the word be? Helping streamlining yeah. the use of of sustainable materials like hemp over building a fucking town out in the middle of the ocean. or trying to get to mars i mean there's yeah. a billion things it's just i don't understand that at all it's just, I, I, I don't either i don't is either. is hempcrete actually more expensive than building a, a house out on the ocean probably not i have no <laughs> I, I have no why aren't there more parks being built we've talked about this yeah, fucking it's just a thousand like, times. it doesn't really i don't understand have it's you, like we we're gonna think our way into extinction is basically what we're doing have you seen the new facebook ads or not the metaverse ads the oculus ads where it says something like cardio can be fun now Oh, yeah. So basically, you put these goggles on, you've got two hand uh, remotes, <laughs> and you know, you're, let's say you're on top of Mount Everest. And you you're know, sword fighting. Blocks. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Go fuck yourself. Wait, but bro. Eb, Eb on a real. And they got like some fitness influencer who's like, come on. Janie says, why would I want to do a workout in virtual reality? And then it's like, come on, Janie. Yeah. But let me, but on a real, on a serious note, Eb, the more. You can you have know, that, dog. No, but on a real note, like you look at the stacks in the movie, it's super drab. It's super awful. Yeah, everybody's depressed. Yeah, but but riddle me this, seriously. <laughs> if our world, you know, keeps getting run down, gray, less nature, I mean, you know, and think about the, it's interesting that it's in the year 2045, which actually seems like a reasonable year for this stuff. Like, will that be the place we need we need to go? For solace, for escape, you know what I mean. I don't think so because, like, once again, that movie fails to show you what's happening out on the countryside. What about the people who aren't involved in this? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, you only see that. So what's happening everywhere else? I mean... Well, let's say we've got 40 billion people on the earth, and the whole world is the stacks. I don't know, Gus. You and I have driven across the country multiple times over the last 10 years, literally coast to coast. There's, as far as I could tell, the shit, America is not overpopulated. No, I know. I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. Certain cities are for sure. Los Angeles has got a serious overpopulation issue happening. But, I mean, you know, like you drive across this country, man, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of fucking far out open yeah. space. I mean, if you drive just past Santa Barbara, you're like in another world. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. drive out into the desert, there's nothing for hundreds of miles, thousands okay. of miles. So it's a bit of a, it's a, bit so of a dark know. viewpoint saying the whole world is going to be the stack. It's, well, it's this... almost, unless it's the year fucking 4,000 and we do have a 40 billion person population. And by then we're living on Mars. We've 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 made it to Pluto. You know, this is all just well. This is all far see, out future tripping. I mean, I don't. I I don't even really want. I I I'm beyond the place of saying I hope so or I hope not. Or I don't think so, because whatever we think is a possibility. Like whatever reality you imagine, that's your reality, essentially. So if you're a person who's locked up in the belief that, yeah, 2045, the world is going to be cold and gray and concrete and our only escape will be jumping into the metaverse, then yeah, that's going to be your reality. But if you're beyond that and you believe that your reality can be something, some fucking blissful nature experience that incorporates technology in a way that's useful to your life, because that was another interesting conversation I was having just before we got on here, was about 
what would the balance of nature and technology, a life of nature and technology look like? And this is coming from a guy who lives out in Taos, New Mexico, which you're on the basin of the Rocky Mountains. You're right up in there, the high, the high desert, and it's gorgeous, and you're surrounded by nature. But you will live on a farm, and you utilize crypto technology. You know, why not? And you have the, you have the, maybe even think about it, like, let's take it out even maybe 10, 15, 20 years. You have a ranch and one of your, your main ranch hands is a fucking robot named Joe Yeah, that manages the fields. Well, that's an integration you've integrated with something. I mean, you know, and, and. Uh, keeps everything, keeps the whole ranch managed on some, some high, high functioning artificial intelligence <clears throat> thing, you know. And I think that's something that Terrence McKenna would talk about with the archaic revival, and and he even talks about it in one of those clips where he says the utopian society would be the primitive culture. Where men and women and families are living together in in a tribal setting, sharing resources, looking out for one another, highly functioning. And then you click into their perspective and it's this sort of, there's a menu of, of experiences to be had within the perception of this primitive life that's sort of intertwined in this weird way. And books, and you could access all the great literature and download the information. That sounds like Neuralink. And maybe that's what it was. But, you know, I think that whatever reality we can imagine, that's the reality we're going to have. You know what I mean? If your reality, if you're one of these people who thinks that the Savior is coming in the metaverse, then that's where you're going to go. You know what I mean? That's where you're going. If you're that disillusioned by the human experience, which I would say goes back to a a complete deadening of the senses. Because, dude, when you start to really just, like, tune into your fucking senses, how you feel in your body, how the air feels against your skin, the subtle vibration that you hear in your ears, of silence, the vibration of quiet, the sensation of the breath coming in your nostrils, going down into your body, being exhaled out of your body, the taste of food, your fucking feet on the ground. When you really tune in, dude, and you start to like, really like Bhagavan Das says, and it's here now, and you start to make your life your ritual, and your whole life is your God worship? My God, dude, this thing is fucking, it's a trip. This is a fucking trip. And you're missing out on all of that. That's my that's my only argument with all of this shit. You know what I mean? My only argument against <laughs> all of this stuff is you're missing out on a magical fucking carpet ride. I agree. Completely missing out on it. I agree. By jacking into the system over and over again. You're deadening your senses and you're missing out on something that's truly spectacular. 
beyond your wildest dreams. And I don't know if that's intentional. What percentage of the brain do we use? Is it 2%? I think like 10% max. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's that, you know, similar to that. That's why I brought up the thing of like using drugs and not using drugs and feeling. Uh, when I had, when I had COVID a few, a couple months ago and I lost my taste mm-hmm. and smell, that was a really interesting yogic trip I went on. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, I can't taste anything right now or mm-hmm. I can't smell anything. It brought me so deep inside. It's like, wow, what if this lasted forever? Mm. I'd really like, because I mean, it's almost like your taste and smell can be you, particularly your taste because it's with food, um, which you can indulge in. Uh, you can't as indulge in your scent in your smell as much as your taste. You can't eat things through your nose. I mean, I, I love smelling flowers, but you know, I was like, wow, this is an interesting trip of just like paring it down and just being present to a, to a, another degree. Um, do you think Osho would put the virtual reality goggles on? <laughs> I mean, what would his, <laughs> or, or, uh, Neem Karoli or, I think they would do it. And Ramana like they, Maharshi, I think they would do it. And like they've all said when they were given the LSD or the psilocybin, they'd say, eh, you know, it's not as good as meditation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe it would run the gamut. Would Sadhguru do it? Would he throw on the goggles? I don't know. That would be a good question for him. What do you think of virtual reality? Yeah, it would be a good question for him. We're working, we're, uh, we're, we're in cons, we're in conversation with Sadhguru's people to have a dialogue with him. So, well, he was about to come on, but it was just too rushed. The timing was too rushed. And Gus and I, having interviewed him three times now between the two of us, yeah. we really want to dial in this thing because Sod's he, a, he's Sod a slippery. slippery. Yeah, he's yeah, that's weird. He's a slippery one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, it's it's. This is yet another, and it's a powerful one. It's a really potent, it's a potent, it's a potent manifestation of our escape complex. Ooh, escape complex. That's really what it is, man. We have this deep escape, escape complex. Yeah, we have this urgent need. And and in this book, what's so interesting to me about what Osho is talking about here and what all the spiritual guys talk about, the mind has hijacked the human experience. You know, and I was thinking about this this morning, the reptilian aspect, you know, and going back to you know, we've got all kinds of, there's all kinds of lore, ancient and modern, about the reptilians and this, this species of aliens who are reptilians. And 
I've seen actually interesting things that they're not necessarily all malevolent, but they're also like benevolent reptilian species. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I don't look too deeply into it. Um, because what's most interesting to me about the reptilian conversation is that we all have the reptilian brain. Uh-huh. It's our primitive brain center, the reptilian brain, the amygdala, mm-hmm. the fight or flight, our fear center, our survival center. Right. And that's a really p- important thing to understand and be aware of and how our current situation with COVID and lockdowns and mandates and a lot of the the really disturbing actions and uh, words being used by politicians and uh, political people, it to me is a complete illustration of a human organism being totally hijacked by the reptilian aspect. Mm. And this hijacking, and we have, we as the human, the human species, and I and talked, you know, we've talked about this too, Gus, about the evolution of consciousness and the concretization of consciousness and how ancient cultures, when they were through Mark Booth's book, The, uh, the Secret History of the World, where he argues that ancient Greeks and Romans in their mythology, it wasn't just it wasn't simple um it wasn't simple imagination when they were talking about speaking to gods and fairies and these mm. these spiritual entities but it was actually their life experience mm-hmm. of communicating with these these entities and and through this necessary process of of human evolution and the evolution of consciousness we've become more materially oriented because it served us in in certain ways i need a gucci belt i need a gucci belt yeah yeah i need a gucci belt so but then boy that gucci belt gus reading this book you know he's really he he sparked this this thought process in me, you know, the idea of thoughts, uh-huh. it's totally arbitrary because he talks about Osho talks about, that? yeah, Osho talks about, he breaks it down like the three, the three, the three functioning structures that we move through are intellect, intuition, and instinct, right? The intellect is the is the realm of the mind. The mind has to intellectualize and figure out. Uh-huh. And it never comes to any conclusions because there are no solutions in the mind. It's all just constant problems and analysis yeah, and yeah. creation right. and all of that. Intuition, which is where the heart functions, intuition functions from the unknown. It, the intellect can only function in the realm of the known. And anything outside the realm of the known is deemed impossible or uh, terrifying or inconceivable, etc. Mm-hmm. But the intuition, it functions from behind that place at the source of, of all things where it's quantum leaps 
from A to Z can be made where a, dis- a discovery is found in a matter of a moment mm. because the intuition is linked to something much greater mm. beyond. You know what I mean? Right. Now, instinct is what the body functions through. Uh-huh. The body functions through instinct. The heart beats, the blood flows, how it takes food and deconstructs the food particles and reconstructs them as your muscles and your bones and all the things that we use and utilize nutrients for, etc. And your body just does that without the mind even thinking about it. Your mind can't even comprehend how that happens. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So then it, it really got me into this thinking of like, man... We've really become attached to this idea of our thoughts. These are my thoughts. I'm thinking. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute. How do we, where is that real, where is that line? Right. Because as far as I've ever experienced, all of this stuff billows out like smoke. It billows out from the abyss somewhere beyond my understanding. Right. Well. And what, so the idea of thoughts or these forms, these energy forms, it's totally arbitrary. Like, how do we not know that that's not some spirit just communicating through us? And going back to reality as an illusion, our illusion is that we are creating these thoughts, or these thoughts are real, these forms are real. And he talks about thoughts in the realm of being a material form. Because we can exchange thoughts. You can take my thoughts. I can share a thought with you. Uh-huh. And you can take it and right. do something with it yourself. Right. But it has nothing. It's like I gave you, I might as well have given you a box, a gift of some sort that you then took and did something with on your own. Right. It's incredibly, I mean, the feeling, the... the Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm processing what you're saying. The feeling that thoughts are material, you know, and that's why it's so important to be conscious of, and then thoughts are manifested through words. That's why it's so important to be conscious of the people you're hanging around, you know, thoughts or, or, you know, things can be, Things can be shared energetically when we say something like your vibe attracts your tribe. You know, like you can feel people's energy, but then the thoughts are manifested through words. So it's very good to be conscious of who you're around because if somebody is saying things, if somebody around you is saying it's all shit, (laughs) they're sharing that material into you. Right. Or if they're saying it's all beautiful and sunshine, they're sharing that material into you as well, which to me is also why talk therapy is so important and why it's been so uh, groundbreaking within humanity, challenging because it's also created this kind of neurosis of this sort of never-ending wheel, I think, in a way. Mm. But I think that's why talk therapy is so important or you know, sharing, telling stories is so important too because we need to get it out of our system. And I saw this thing the other day. So that's one aspect of Mm. my response to what you're saying. I saw this thing the other day that said, I am. Mm. And it was basically, 
I am dot dot dot. Mm. You know, and and it's and it was talking about how those are two of the most powerful words. Yeah. In our language, and then what comes after it is even more affecting. You know, I'm very conscious these days. Like if I say I'm anxious, mm. well, what does that mean? As opposed to saying I'm feeling anxious, right? You know, or I'm fucked up or something. I'm feeling fu- like don't. And I think this is a very Hawkins. It's a very yeah. much like a David Hawkins thing. Don't just sign up for whatever feeling is coming out of you. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, and he's very much about honoring it yeah. and then letting it go. Mm-hmm. But see, then, Eb, I also want to say, based off what you're saying, is it doesn't really come from nowhere, though. You know, the thoughts don't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the filters, and like the simulation theory of you you simulate your parents, the thoughts and stuff that you have that dictate your life and the way the way you see things is from your it could be from your trauma it could be from your you know your your beauty as a child oh man i got this from my mom or dad but i also got this. so you know it's your operating system yeah that's so, true but i and that's then i true. believe as yogis as we move forward on the spiritual path we slough that shit off and get rid of the filters. Well, that's so, what the work is, essentially. Yeah. So, but let me let me now finish it back to your reality is an illusion thing. I think we keep doing the work to get rid of the illusion. Yeah. So then we're just in reality. Yeah. That's the yoga. That's the work right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why we meditate. That's why we pray. That's why we study. That's why we do yoga. That's why we push ourselves. Um, that's you know it's interesting because I was having another conversation yesterday, and you know they were saying how it's such new age nonsense to say. We do the work and, you know, it's like, what is the work? Like, what is that? What does that mean when you say we do the work? And it's essentially doing the work is the active exercise of Having an experience of yourself without jumping into some escape mechanism. Yes. And that is back to the metaverse, though. (laughs) The metaverse are more escapes. Yes. Which we don't really need. Well, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. That's what I'm, that's what doesn't, that, like, if we're talking about the metaverse as being a fun video game. Yeah. The fun evolution of a video game. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But if we're talking about the metaverse as the new life, right. the escape from our reality, right. like wh- it just doesn't jive. Yeah. No, in that in that It doesn't serve us. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh You know? Like if we're talking about the metaverse as being like the fun 
Now, in Ready Player One... It's the ultimate escape. It's the it ultimate is, illusion. But, Gus, he, they also are very specific about talking about how your whole life is integrated into this thing and you actually lose all your shit when you lose your shit. Right. Which like, is, if you die, right. you literally, your bank account... Yeah, explodes into the game, and somebody can just pick yeah. up all your coins and your money and everything you own. Back to the dicey nature of the economic <laughs> implications of all this. So, Owen, oh, remember that in that one scene, the the the, the boyfriend, his uh-huh. like aunt's boyfriend, yeah, yeah, ends up losing like their whole life savings in the game. Yeah, or one of the notes I had in the beginning when he's going through those clips of the different people, the the it's like that room with with the Asian guy and he loses it and tries right, to right, jump out, the, out window. the window. Yeah, or he tries. Yeah, to. he tries to, and the person like tackles him. Yeah, yeah. So, what were we talking about there? Well, you know? well, we were talking about um, how it's the are ultimate we illusion. are we talking about the metaverse as the next fun video yeah, game right right no but no. like the oasis where you jump in and you do you do these races or you go to the planet where you fight the aliens with an army of other metaversers or you know or is it we're literally scrapping life in in the real that's world that's what it seems to be and we're going to go buy a house on the beach in on metaverse island yeah and we're doing that. No, now. that's how it seems to be positioned. But go and then going back to Mark Ryland's character's monologue at the end of the movie where he says, I realized the real world was the only place I could get a decent meal. Yeah. And even as painful as it was, it was still better and a more fulfilling experience than anything I created in the game world. Yeah. I'm because not, that's you're gonna get fucking like, dude. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm Fuck, not, you're gonna like have sex with the the virtual thing. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not sure Zuckerberg is empathetic. Well, he's, empathic. Well, enough. he's got to have some sort of autistic. Oh, well, that's Asperger's. What I'm, I'm not some sure emotional he, deficiency. Yeah, I'm not sure he recognizes. And God bless him. Anybody that wears that much sunscreen on a beach, something is off. I'm sorry. He's fucking sandblasted with fucking SPF 4000 fucking. If you haven't seen the photo of him like windsurfing on on his 6,000 acre, he just bought another like 9,000 acres on fucking Hawaii. I'm like, dude. Unfortunately. But I think this is Can the... you open up a place for people to come? That is the ultimate metaverse. You have a thousand acres on Maui. Open up a place where everybody can come and hang out. What are you Why? doing on these acres? What's what's really going on there? The I'm actually curious. Yeah, like why do you need that much room? But to your point, Eb, I don't this isn't being positioned as just a cool video game. Like you can I feel agree. it. I think so. Yeah, I think no, you're right. But you can feel right. it. And even his like keynote, their Facebook keynote thing, like well, I want to from show the you bits this. I've seen, it's very clear that this is being positioned as the new ultimate you reality. You don't have to have a 
Yeah. You don't have to have a house in the real world. Yeah. You can buy a little tiny place in the metaverse. Yeah. Meanwhile, and you can owe me rent for your entire life. Wow. Wow. And be part of this really cool experiment. Does he want to live? Does he think he's going to live forever? I don't know, dude. Is that the whole deal? I want to read you this thing. I follow this guy. I really oh, like him a lot. His name's Dr. Pran Yoga Nathan. I think he's, I think he's uh, based in uh, Australia, which, you know, that's a whole... Um, and he had this really interesting headline that I commented on. Let me find this thing because it was really good. It was like, I don't understand this narrative that's being pushed. My guy, my guy. I'm going to have Dr. Prawn on the pod. Good. You could be on to talk with him. Pran? Dr. Pran Yoga Nathan. I feel like we've got a lot. Oh, here, look what he says. This was from this is an article from Business Insider Australia. And the headline. You ready for the this this is what just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Silicon Valley's metaverse will suck reality into the virtual world. Dash and ostracize those who aren't plugged in. Yeah. This is a headline. Mm -hmm. And I said, I was like, these headlines are so bizarre, and it all feels like this desperate push to normalize weakness. Mm. That's good. You know, and... Well, that's what a lot of the headlines for COVID sound exactly like that. I know. Well, that's back to So it's to like, our... what is the purpose of that? Why aren't the headlines, hey, everybody, get outside Eat right, exercise, drink plenty of water, and in interact in a loving and meaningful way with the people around you in your life. Because there's no drama in that. It doesn't initiate our reptilian brain. And our, to and, me, and that nobody, sounds super no, fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get really excited hearing those words. <laughs> I guess news is predicated on uh, engaging the reptilian brain. So if the news isn't fight, flight, or freeze, it's not. It's no longer news. I mean, it's sick. So are we doing a part three? Let's do a part three. Do a part three. Yeah, I mean, probably. We should. Yeah. You know, just to maybe even digest what we've, we've uh, brought up here. Maybe we got to get an Oculus or so. We got to borrow an Oculus and just like yeah, have that, a weird that, that's experience. That's our next homework assignment. Why I, My buddy Jeff, he said he would loan me his thing. Let's and, do it. Because he said there's this cool app called Trip or something where you're on this, you're on this alien planet. God, I'm kind of weird and weirded <laughs> out to try it. <laughs> but we should try it. I know. We should try it and see yeah. like, okay, do I feel like I'm racing through the Mojave yeah. When I'm standing in my living Let's room check with it goggles out. on, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe we'll do that then that'll be part 3. Um yeah, so I guess that's our next that's our next phase. Okay. But this was good, man.
Yeah, that was a that was a good. Uh, I felt like the first one we just kind of needed to. Well, we set the stage. We talked about internet 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, all those things, which I yeah. think are important things to. You know, it's it's interesting to see like how we got to this point, and I think that's going to be important an important tether to hang on to as we go deeper down the rabbit hole. Whatever the fuck this thing is. But my thing is like, why are we not more skeptical of the super divisive language saying things like people who aren't plugged in are going to be ostracized? First of all, who the fuck, how are you going to ostracize somebody who's not plugged in? I think people actually, Eb, are skeptical. It's just that's for whatever reason. Because there's that's billions the of dollars. Message. Like, like it's so fascinating to me when you look at Instagram and you look at some news story that's clearly BS. Read the comments. Right. Because the comments are the actual people. Right. And you can see in the comments, it's invariably 98%. This is BS. Why are you posting this? Who is this for? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think people are very conscious of it. Yeah. It's just if you read the headlines or if you read that not even, you know, if you read, I don't know who, <laughs> maybe they're in the pockets of these companies and I'm sure they are to a big degree. So interesting. I think people are conscious. I of agree. It. I agree. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's more people are, are skeptical and confused by it all than, than the headlines lead you to yeah. believe. Because if you read the headlines and you go, oh, this must be how most of the world thinks, you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Gus, excellent, man. Thank you. Thank you. Really Thank fun. you, everybody. It's great to be here. Really fun. It's a blessing. I'm grateful. Absolutely, my G. Likewise. Um, all right, y'all. Well, lots of love to you guys. I hope you had some fun. Namaste. Namaste, y'all. Uh, I'll see y'all on the flip side. Have an excellent rest of your day. Lots of love to you. Peace.